I have a lot of new people here. I'm going to just apologize right up front. And if I don't know your name yet or if I call you somebody else's name, just say, thank you, Pat. I love you, Pastor. <laughs> Most of you don't even know my name. You just say, Pastor. <laughs> so, a friend of mine, Mills Caraway, he calls me H. Ross. Remember H. Ross Perot? I got my, I got my graphs, my charts, my graphs. And <laughs> I got to get to prayer appointment with that for someone that's battling cancer. Okay. I'm not trying to be disruptive. Okay, take off. Go. Oh, yeah. Go. I commission you to go. <laughs> yeah, he called me H. H. Ross because of H. Ross Pro. My middle name is Ross. So if you didn't know, it is Ross. Harold Ross. And uh, I think Ross is a form of rose. So I'm a blooming, fill in the blank. But we have a lot of new people here and, and a lot of baby Christians. Uh, we have these classes people are going to and shake. Well, they're trying to learn, they're trying to grow, they're trying to mature in their walk. Some of you, you know, the Bible says were uh, the church at Corinth, but they were called carnal Christians. They're still a lot in the world. They still had a lot of things in the world. They were still grasping, fighting, battling. That's why we, we want people to get out of the world and get into, the, get into freedom. Uh, the, most of all the New Testament scriptures that were written in the epistles were written to the church. The church was in trouble. The church was, in, was having problems with, with, and they needed to be free. They needed to be set free. So Christians can be in bondage. You understand that? Because most all of us that have, have, have been Christians for any time, we know that there's, we had to get through some things even after we gave our life to Christ. It wasn't just an automatic, everything's perfect, we're good to go. See, I can't even snap into the microphone like, shoot. Uh, so this message, how many of you got the sheet this morning? It says this is the statement of what we, what we believe. The reason I wanted you to have that, that's on... On our application for ministry, our ministry app, it's not all, all of that's not on, actually on the website, but we're going to get that changed. But that tells you our basic beliefs. Now, these are beliefs that if you, if you look at those and you read them and go, well, I don't understand that, I don't believe that, come talk to me. Because if you don't really come into alignment with those, those are our basic beliefs. Then you're probably either in the wrong place or you just need to be taught the truth from the error that you believe. Okay? I'm not trying to be prideful or arrogant in saying that but this is where God has brought us as a church body this is what we believe and this is what we teach and we're not going to compromise we're not going to rationalize on these things you can look at that and read it go okay and then even at the last it says we're a five-fold ministry and a lot of people what is a five-fold ministry so you look at that and I want you to read that I want you to study it and if you have questions about it come talk to me come talk to one of our elders come talk to one of our teachers one of our pastors we'll be glad to open the word and show you scriptures that, that back up what we believe. So I'm studying, I'm preparing for today, and I think I'm going to teach a lesson. I'm just going to teach a sermon today. It's just going to be teaching on our basic foundational beliefs. That's what I was going to do. And then Betty Jones gives me this book by Rick Renner. We had a little prayer sabbatical a couple of weeks ago, and she gives us all of this book. It's by Rick Renner. And, it, and the title of the book is this. It's how to keep your head on straight in a world of gone crazy. <laughs> Developing discernment for these last days. How many of you believe we're in a world gone crazy? Yeah. See, if, if, you're, if you're a young person, you don't know the world's gone crazy. I've been here for 68 years, and I've seen it go and degenerate and degenerate and go downhill and go downhill for the last several decades. Hey, you may not know this. In public school, we used to sing before our meals, and we sang a prayer. We sang a prayer to God, to Jesus. 
I was a narrator in our Christmas play. We had the nativity. I, I, I memorized Luke 2, and I got this. I remember we had this sheep, we had marriage, we had the whole thing in our public school. And then one lady comes along and says, well, you can't pray in school anymore. It's against, it's against all the laws. And she went to the Supreme Court, and she got it taken out because Christians were silent. Christians just said, oh, how did she do that? How did she get that done? Because we were silent. And that was in 1967, I believe, and we started seeing a downhill start to slippery slope. Then 1973, some people said, you know, abortion should be legalized because it's really not murder. They're not really babies. They're just fetuses. And we, the church stood by and said, I don't know what we're going to do. And, and they, Congress, everybody voted and said, hey, it's okay to kill babies and sell. Today, we've, we've committed genocide of over 60 million Babies, not fetuses, babies. It's called murder. And then we had a president said, let me sign into law that it's okay for two men to get married and two women to get married. And now we have a president that's saying worse and worse and worse and worse. You don't think we live in a crazy world? I guarantee you when I was 20, I never believed that it would be like this. I never believed things would turn this way. How many adults, you raise your hand, if you, if you agree with me, you never thought we would see America go this direction. Because it, it's, it's like we couldn't fathom it. Well, we're, we're a Bible-believing, we're a foundation, we're a Christian-based country, and we believe the Word of God, and, and we believe that there's freedom, that there's freedom in, of a religion. And we're going to teach the truth and we're going to teach people that murder is wrong and, and that homosexuality is wrong because the Bible teaches that it's wrong. It's the truth. Amen. So you think I want to get up and, and give you this sermon today? And listen, this is not Mr. I, oh, I'm going to get a lot of great emails from this one and people watching on Facebook. And I, and I said, listen, you know, there, if this gets out and it gets out past our body of Christ, listen, we're coming to the day, and I promise, and, and I'm saying this out of uh, just to see what the, where the world's going. That, that this very soon it's already happening in other parts of the country and other parts of the world. That they'll come through those doors and they'll say, "Mr. Uh, Mr. Watkins, uh, you need to come with us because you have just spewed a bunch of hate, and people, we can't stand for this hatred. And you're going to jail because you're teaching these things. And I'm going to say, "Well, God, this is the Bible. This is the truth of God. I'm only teaching what God teaches. It's not always a popular message." It's not always a popular man. And some of you, you may already be upset by some of the things that I've said. But I want to tell you, if you want to get upset, get upset with God, not me. If you want to get upset, get upset with the Word of God, not me. Some of you are like, wow, this was a really good service up to now. But you see, if I'm not willing to tell you the truth, I don't need to be up here. I just don't. We celebrate truth today because truth sets us free. You see, I'm not talking about the truth in general. Like when your wife comes out, she's got a new dress. How do I look, honey? Do I look fat in this? Oh, no, baby. You look great. Woo! You lie to her, you know, you don't tell her the truth. I'm not talking about that. That, that is just not right. Women should never ask those questions of men. Amen. Somebody bakes you something, it's the worst tasting thing you ever had. 
How'd you like to get, oh, man, I never had anything like it. <laughs> Whoa, never had anything like that. Tell the truth, I just never had anything like that. But we celebrate the truth of the Word of God because the Word of God and Jesus Christ are synonymous. John 1, 1 and 2 said, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. And you drop down to verse 14, and John says this, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Who, who became flesh and dwelt among us? Jesus Christ. And we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and what? Truth. Grace and truth. We're going to talk about grace at the end, but I want, we're, going to, we're going to hammer the truth this morning because of where we're at in our country, where we're at in our families, where we're at in our school systems. Because we've got, we got to get an injection of truth back into these places that have kicked the truth out. First John 5, 7 says, For there are three that bear witness in heaven, the Father, the Word, in the Holy Spirit, and these three are one. That's the Trinity they're talking about there. And Jesus is described in this verse as the Word. 2 Timothy 3.16, you know a lot of these scriptures. Some of you don't. Some of you are baby Christians. But you need to hear that this this morning. All scriptures, say all scripture. All scripture. all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. Right living. Hebrews 4.12, for the word of God is living and powerful. It's not just a book of, of poems. It's not a, a book of songs. It's not a book of history. It's not, it's not a book of, of myth, mythical things that happen. This is the word of God. It's the truth. Amen. Oh, Noah, there really wasn't an ark. There really wasn't a flood. Listen, science proves this. Amen. So many people say, well, science and, and, God and the Bible are so totally uh, opposed. They're not. They agree. It's just the way people teach. And they say, well, science and, and, and the Bible don't agree. Listen, the, every time they find a new discovery, an archaeological discovery, it proves the Bible once again. But the Bible doesn't need proving because it's the Word of God. Amen. For the Word of God is living and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and to the joint and marrow, and is a discerner, listen, it's a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. You get the Word of God in you. Listen, how many of you know when you get the Word of God in you? You're getting the Word of God in you today if you're listening. Amen. And what happens is when you do something that goes contrary to the Word of God, the Word of God will speak to you. Amen. The Word of God speaks. We sang that this morning. He will show you. He will show you. And he just, he'll give you. He'll say, this is where you need to stop. This is where you need to go. This is what you need to do. This is what you don't need to do. The Word of God will speak to us. Amen. Ephesians 6, 17, and the, take, the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, the only offensive weapon, the only offensive part of our armor is the what? The Word of God, which is the, the sword of the Spirit, which is the what? The Word of God. We need the Word of God. We need to hold it high. We've got the shield of faith. We've got the helmet of salvation, the belt of truth, the shoes of peace. We've got the breastplate of righteousness. We have all these things. But he said, you better get the Word. You better hang on to the Word. Then you better pray. You better pray in the Spirit. That's our weapons. That's our weapons. Billy Graham said this, the Bible is not an option. It is a necessity. You cannot grow spiritually strong without it. 
You come to premarital counseling with me and we'll talk about the word. We'll talk about uh, husbands leading your family in devotions, leading your family to know the word. And then not just some little five-minute ser- little, little, uh, serenade, oh, this is what we need to do today. It's no, let's teach the word to our children. Let's teach the word to our children so we can learn it too. A lot of people say, well, I like to work with the children's department downstairs because I'm learning the word. The basics. You see, a lot of people, I can get up here and say, well, you know about David and Goliath. They're going, huh? Who's David and who's Goliath? Oh, you've heard about the Noah's Ark. Well, not really. Uh, you've heard of Adam and Eve. Yeah, I've heard about Adam and Eve. I think I've heard about them. They ate an apple with a worm in it, right? <laughs> Everybody thinks it's an apple. The Bible never says it's an apple. It's fruit. What Billy Graham said is so true, but it goes a lot farther than that. You can't navigate life today without the Word of God. That's right. You can't. You can't navigate this, this crazy world that we live in without the Word. You see, we're living in a time when biblical prophecy is being fulfilled at a rapid rate. A lot of things that couldn't have happened 50 years ago can happen now. That's right. We're already talking about the mark of the beast. Listen, that's a very real possibility. It may be already happening. How many of you had a credit card? It's got a mark on it. How many of you know that one day, in one day, they said we can stop everything in this country because of COVID? One day. Stop, shut down, everything. How many of you know that the government is getting more and more and more and more control, and they want to have more control over you? So listen, so we can have the one world order that, that, that talks about in Revelation in the end times. Seems like, oh, he's just trying to scare us. No, I'm trying to wake you up. I'm trying to wake me up. We've got to be ready. Did this go off? No, there we go. See, we live in a time, the Bible says, you, we're calling good evil and evil good. And if we disagree with the world, guess what? They're just going to put us in jail or make another law contrary to what we believe. But you see... This confrontation took place, not today, it took place over 2,000 years ago. You know, the perversions in the world, which, listen, it's the world. What's the world do? The world sins. But Jesus addressed it in the church. Has perversion filtrated into the church today? Of course it has. It has, because we've let it, just like we've let so many other things happen in our culture. So Jesus confronted the Pharisees. 2,000 years ago. Look what he said in John 5, 38. He's talking to them. He said, but you have his word abiding in you. You do not have his word abiding in you. You do not have his word abiding in you. You want to you find out why you're, not, why you're walking in sin, why you're backslidden, why you're doing things that you, you know you're wrong to do because you're not abiding in the word, or I'm not abiding in the word. I, I promise you. Come to me for counseling. You got some problems in your family? Come to me. And the first thing I'll say, well, how much time are you spending in the Word? <laughs> well, how much your time are you spend in prayer? Well, so get back in the Word. Get back in prayer. And then come see me and see how, how it's working out. Because it'll change. He said, you do not have His Word abiding in you because whom He sent, Jesus, Him, Jesus, you did not believe. He's speaking in third person here. You search the Scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life. Listen, they did have eternal life when they searched the Scriptures. 
And these are they, the, t- the scriptures, which testify, he says, of me. The word he said to the Pharisees, all the word that you have, the prophecies, they're speaking of me, he said. You have the word, but you don't have me. See, you can't separate the word and Jesus. And that's what they were doing. He said, you're not willing to come to me that you may have life. See, you can, you can read the Bible all day long, but until you surrender and come to Jesus, you don't have life yet. Because that, Jesus is the life. He is the way, the truth, and the life. You just can't separate the word from Jesus. Move on over to John chapter 8. Jesus continues. They bring this woman caught in adultery. It was a setup. So they could trap Jesus. Y'all remember? See, again, y'all remember? No, some of you don't know the story. They brought a woman. She had been caught in adultery. Didn't seem like they cared about the man that was involved. Just a woman because they knew if, if a woman was caught in adultery, the law said to stone her. So he said, okay, y'all line up, get the best rocks you can find. He said, now, here's, here's the qualification. If you haven't got any sin, you step up and throw the rock. If you don't have any sin, come on, get after it. Can, can you just, I just can imagine. Walking away. Left her there. Broken, ashamed in front of all these people in this public place. And Jesus said, hey, where, where are your accusers? She said, I don't see any, Jesus. He said, well, I don't, I don't accuse you either. I don't condemn you either. He said, go and what? Sin no more. Don't go back to that lifestyle, woman. You've been set free. The truth set her free that day. See, the truth set you free the day you came to Jesus. In the middle of your sin, the truth set you free. John 8, 12 says, Jesus spoke to them again, saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. He was trying to let them know he, he, he didn't want to expose everything yet because he knew he had to, he had to preach. He had, he had, a, he had a, a whole lot of people that he had to teach the word to. And he said, but I am the light of the world. And listen, the Pharisees were looking at him like, let's just kill him now. He thinks he's the light of the world. He thinks he's the Messiah. And they just didn't get it. But some did. Not the Pharisees, but the ordinary common folk like us. They were like, whew. Tell us some more. Tell us some more. And they began to believe what he said. You drop down to verse 31. It says, Jesus said to those Jews who believed in him, If you abide in my word, if you abide in my word, if you abide in my word, come on, church. Abide in my word. Or remain in his word. It's so important that we get this this morning. He says, If you abide in my word, you are my disciples, my students indeed. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Now, he's not talking about head knowledge. He's not talking about, oh, okay, I memorized my verse for the day. For God so loved the world that he gave his own my son. He's not saying that, and that's good, we should memorize scripture. But he's saying you've got to get it from here to here. You've got to know the word. You've got to know the scripture. When, when the enemy comes, you've got to know what rebukes him. When, when the temptations come, you've got to know the word that's going to build you up in your most holy faith. You've got to know the word. You've got to step in. You've got to abide in the word. And so many believers today, they, they think, if I just get it on Sunday morning, I've got the word. No, that's just a, just a little bitty bit. He wants you to be in the word every day. He said, take up your cross daily and follow him. They answered him. I love this answer. They said, we are Abraham's descendants. We've never been in bondage to anyone. 
Can you believe they said that, Pam? They've been in bondage since Egypt. You know, we've never been in bondage anywhere. They were under Roman authority even then when they spoke this. We've never been in bondage anyone. He said, how can you say we will be made free? And then Jesus said, he answered them and said, assuredly, I say to you, whoever commits sin is a slave of sin. Well, that's you, that's me. We're all slaves to sin. Uh-oh, wait, he's not through. And a slave does not abide in the house forever, but a son abides forever. That's why we're all sons of God when we give our life to Jesus Christ. You're outside the house, don't know Jesus, know Jesus, get him in your heart, surrender your life to him, you're in his house. Right? Now you become a slave to him. That's a bondservant. That means you've chosen to be a slave to Jesus Christ. He said, a slave does not abide in the house forever, but a son abides forever. Woohoo! We shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Because we're sons of the Most High God. Amen? Therefore, if the Son makes you free, listen, if the Son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. If your Son makes you free, Buddha can't make you free. Muhammad can't make you free. Nobody, no false gods can make you free. Oprah can't make you free. Dr. Phil can't make you free. Oh, I just went, I just got so, I saw my crystals and I was looking at my crystals. I just felt so good. That's a, a warm feeling fell over me. How bull honky. Oh, let's mix a little of that and mix a little of that with, with Jesus. And we got, no, you've made it, him a lie. You, you've destroyed everything when you start mixing. And that's what New Age does. And they do a really good job of it. John 14, 6. Listen, you need to know this. Jesus said, I'm going to go prepare a mansion for you. Where, where, he said, listen, where I am, you may be also. Thomas said, well, we just don't know where you're going. Tom, I love Thomas. Everybody says he's doubting Thomas. I think he was honest, Thomas. What do you mean? You're leaving. You're building a mansion. Where are you going? We don't know where you're going. And Jesus said, hey, 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 Thomas, settle down. You can just hear Jesus saying, Thomas, it's okay. I'm the way. I'm the truth. And the life. Nobody gets to the Father except they got to come through me. Okay. Okay. So how do you get to the Father? You come through Jesus Christ. You come through the cross. You come through repentance. You come through believing the truth. He is the truth. He's the way, the truth, and the life. There's an old saying, many of you have heard this, if you don't know what you stand for, there's no telling what you'll fall for. Right. If you don't know what you stand for, if you don't know what you believe, people can come in and twist and turn. And Why do you think we have cults all over the world? A lot of people don't want to even hear the truth. They, 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 don't like to, they wouldn't want to hear what I'm saying. They're, they say, man, that guy's nuts. Cuckoo. Cuckoo for Christ. <laughs> That's a t-shirt. Merch. 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 We got merch. You see, I'm about to talk about Matthew 24, and it's, it's very controversial because there are a lot of different teachings from Matthew 24. I'm not going to try to just, we couldn't go into that right now. But this is before Jesus is crucified, and he's trying to really, it's like a cramming for a test. He's trying to teach his disciples as much as he can before he's crucified and before he's resurrected. And, and 
they're walking by and the, the disciples are looking at the temple and the temple had been rebuilt and it was magnificent. Gold everywhere and marble and they said it was so dazzling. You just, it looked like, man, it would just blind you if you walked in to see the temple back then because Herod had redone it and I mean made it splendid, okay? And they started talking about the temple and, and Jesus, well, you know, there's going to be a day when there's not going to be a stone left. There's not going to be nothing left of that temple. And they're like, ah, what, what, what is, what's going to happen? And, and they they asked, he, then he just sat them down off the Mount of Olives, 24-3. And the disciples came to him privately saying, tell us, when will these things happen? When, when will they be? And what will be the sign of your coming in the end of the age? Now, many people believe that that's several questions in one, and it's about difference. And I, I agree with that. So I'm not going to go into that. I just want to, well, you'll see what I'm, where I'm going when I get through it. And Jesus answered and said to them, take heed that no one deceives you. You need to get that one. You need to highlight that one. Take heed that no one deceives you. If I tell you an untruth, see, that's why you ought to check out what I preach. It's what you ought to check out what people teach you. And I'll, che I'll check out what you watch on YouTube. And these pastors, that, oh, man, you ought to hear this pastor. And you got this podcast. And you got that. And this, we got teaching coming from every which way today. You need to know this so you can check them out with this. Check me out with that. For many will come into my name saying, I am the Christ who will deceive many, and you will hear of wars and rumors of wars and see that you are not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom, and there will be famines, pestilences, and earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginning of sorrows and like labor pains. I've never had labor pains. I've had kidney stones. <laughs> but I hear labor pains are not fun. And they start farther apart, and they get what? Closer and closer and closer. And harder and harder. And harder and harder and harder. And then that's when the big screams come. <laughs> We're in those labor pains, I believe. And they're getting closer and closer and harder and harder. Then they will deliver you up to tribulation and kill you, and you'll be hated by all nations for my name's sake. And then many will be offended will betray one another, will hate one another. Then many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. And because lawlessness will abound. Do you think lawlessness abounds today? Yes. Absolutely. The love of many will grow cold. And that's in the church, church. Yes. The love of many will grow cold. But he who endures to the end shall be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all nations. And then the end will come. Listen, I don't think there, we've ever lived in a period of time when it's so, more, it's so much possible, so very possible that everybody will hear the gospel because of our technology. I mean, the Maasai tribe, they all have cell phones. They do. They, 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 he goes out and sets up in, the, in, the, in this, war, this terrible regions. He sets up with solar panel. He's got a solar screen, and we've, we've helped put that together for him. And he shows a Jesus film out in the middle of nowhere technology do you see that we're in that place now where everybody could hear the gospel in your lifetime in my lifetime so if you don't know God's promises if you don't and after we've read all that you might say man this is not good pastor I'm, I'm kind of getting afraid the only reason you should be afraid is if you don't know his word if you don't know his truth if you don't know the end of the story Here's the thing, guys. I think we should be excited about the time we live in. Amen. You, faith, were born 
for such a time as this. Victor, you were born for such a time as this. Shannon, you were born for such a time as this. Everybody say, I, I was born, born for such a time as this. You could have been born some other time, but God said, no, I want you to be born now. I want you in this generation. We're in the generation, possibly, very possibly, could be a part of the rapture. Yeah. Yeah. So what should we be doing in the meantime? Teaching the truth in love. Speaking the truth in love. 1 Timothy 4, 1 says this. Now the Spirit expressly says that in latter times, some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their own consciences seared with a hot iron. Is the Bible truth prophetically true or not? We live in a time when there are deceiving spirits, seducing spirits, loosed all over the earth. Why do you think people wake up and go, am I male today or am I female? Do you ever think you'd see that day? Well, we're going to wait till they're eight years old before we put anything on the birth certificate to see if they're male or female. They're going to have to let me know. Well, science lets you know. Anatomy lets you know. But there's deceiving spirits. There's seducing spirits that have come in and started perverting the thoughts of everybody. And if we don't get a handle on the truth, we will listen to those deceiving spirits. And we may not agree with them, but we'll say, well, it's okay if that's how you feel. Where did feelings come into the picture? It's about our faith, not our feelings. Well, I feel like a guy today, so I'm going to go in that. I feel like a woman today, so I'll go, no. That's an abomination. Conscience is seared. See, people, people are being taught that this is okay, and they're getting this in their, in their spirit, in their con- and their conscience is being seared like, you're crazy. You don't believe that it's okay for that? And if you say it's wrong, that it's a sin, get ready for the backlash. Get ready. You better have your armor on because the enemy is going to be shooting those fiery darts at you so fast. You better have that shield up like Captain America in his garbage can top. Second Timothy 3. Guys, this is the word. This, again, this is not me. This is the word. But know this, that in the last days, perilous times will come. For men will be lovers of themselves. Lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents. Parents are going, yeah. Unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power. It's in the church. It's not just the world. It's in the church. Some of you are practicing these very things. Isn't that not... Don't you think we're grieving the Holy Spirit? That's when we say we're the church, we're the called out ones, that we love you, Jesus, we want to serve you, Jesus, we love your word, we want to be obedient to your word, and yet we 
we're looking at things like this and we're going, and Paul says to Timothy, and from such people, Timothy, turn away. Don't get caught up with them. For of this sort are those who creep into households and make captives of gullible women, and I'm going to add, and men, <laughs> because there's women, and there's no other male nor female, the Bible says, loaded down with sins, led away by various lusts, always learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Some of you, you come, you learn, and you walk out and walk in, in the lies. You come, you learn the truth, but you go out and you still walk in the lies. And he says, you're always learning, but you're never, you're never coming to the knowledge of the truth. Knowledge of the truth will change the way you live, change the way you think, change the way you walk, change the way you talk. It will. Amen. Is that true or not? Yes. Would you say we live in an, a mega information age? I haven't done this in a long time, but I thought, man, I'm going to Google mega. Just mega. Over one billion articles on the word mega. Somebody want to do research on that and read all of them for me and report back next <laughs> millennial? That's how much information we have. You, you wonder why our kids are getting so far off because they're getting taught by Google. Always learning. Man, we've got more information now than we've ever had at our fingertips. You've got a computer. How many of you have a cell phone with you? Raise it up. You've got more information in your hand there than the world in its entirety had before today. You add it all up. It's right there in your little cell phone. Right? It's a computer. And it also has all the information about you. Doesn't it? How many of you put your passwords on your cell phone? Don't raise your hand. <laughs> How many of you have the same three passwords? Because you know, you're gonna, they're going to, what's your password? So you go to your notes and you find all your passwords so anybody else can find them. We have all this information. We're always learning, but we're not coming to the knowledge of the truth, the Bible says. 2 Corinthians 4.4 4 says, Satan, who is the god of this world, has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. They are unable to see the glorious light of the good news. They don't understand this message about the glory of Christ, who is the exact likeness of God. See, that's what we're up against in this world. The world has given themselves over to the enemy. He controls everything. All, all this, the God of this age, the Bible says, Satan is the God of the air. Who would have thought when that was written 2,000 years ago, that the God of the air would be, the, and the airways would be, and the internet would be controlled by the enemy. But that's true. Aren't you thankful that you know the truth? Amen. I want to read a scripture for you. Colossians 2, 7. Woo. Let your roots grow down into him and let your lives be built on him. Let your roots grow down in Jesus and let your lives be built on Jesus. Then your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught and you will overflow with thankfulness. Moms and dads, I know you want your children to excel in education. I know you want them to excel in sports. I know you want them to excel in the arts. I, want, I know you want to them to excel in so many things in their social life. I know we want as parents, we want our kids to excel, right? 
But listen, if you're not teaching them to excel in their faith, in the faith that you're showing them, that you're living before them, you are not doing them justice as a parent. Oh, that went over like a poo lead balloon. We will invest in so many things for our kids, but we forget to invest in them the Word of God because we're not invested in the Word of God. Isn't this popular? This is going to be all-time hit sermon. <laughs> Boy, that was encouraging. <laughs> you know, I'm, just not, I'm not here to water down or, or sugarcoat things. If you, if you don't like it, man, just suck it up. <laughs> that wasn't what I planned to say, but that's what, listen, if we're going to be men, we're talking about promise keepers, we're going to be men of God. We need to suck it up. And say, you know what, enough's enough. Let's come in here, we're going to read the Bible together. Threaten them if you have to. Ground them. <laughs> You want, yeah, take their phones. Son, we're going to listen to the word. No, no, no. I'm going to take your phone. Okay. I'll listen. What, what scripture would you like me to read, Dad? I've got it right here on my app, my Bible app. I don't even have time to go into the rest of this. Now, probably it's going to be next, next week. Next week I was going to be celebrate love because it's Valentine's Day. So. Let me encourage you to read Romans 1 this afternoon before the Super Bowl. Romans 1. Can y'all figure that one out? It's Romans 1. The whole chapter. Just read it. Because when people tell you, well, this is really not bad. That's not a sin. Uh, go read Romans 1. Because see, what we have come into church is... The, the greatest sin that we're, we're seeing in our world today is the sin of idolatry. We put so many, we put everything before Jesus. Everything. Put our kids, our family, our, we put church in front of Jesus. We put worship in front of Jesus. We do all these things that make us feel good and we haven't, we haven't put Jesus in his rightful place in our lives. He's the truth. He's the way, the truth, and the life. Now, if you're here this morning, and man, you're, you're already feeling convicted or angry. I want you to hear my heart. I don't hate homosexuals. I don't hate people that are living together in marriage. I mean, in sin before marriage. I don't hate people that are lesbians. I don't hate people that are transgenders. I don't hate people like that. God doesn't hate them. You shouldn't hate them. Any church that holds up a sign that says God hates homosexuals, that's, I would run from those people. Now, you've got to hear my heart here. I, it is totally true that you can love the sinner and hate the sin. I know people say, oh, you can't do that. Yes, you can. That's right. Guess what? I also love the gossip. I love the drunkard. I love the addict. God loves them too. We like to categorize these things. And I know sexual immorality, sexual sins are highlighted in the Bible because they affect more than one person. Understand that. But God says we are to love everybody. Right. He says, I, I love, he said, I love, he said, I'm not willing that any should perish. 
You don't think God's grieved over the situation, the, the culture of today? You don't think God grieves and weeps? When that woman, that, that mother says, I can't, keep, I can't have this kid. I can't afford this kid. I can't deal with this kid. His dad is not going to be here for us. And she goes in that abortion clinic and she has an abortion. You don't think God's weeping over that. But he loves that woman. He loves her. And we've got to turn our eyes toward love. We've got to love everybody. We can't be selective in our choice of who we're going to love and who we're going to not love. God didn't give us that option. You don't hate somebody into the kingdom. You don't threaten somebody in the kingdom. You love them into the kingdom. So I say all this with a heavy heart. Because I know I am not perfect. On my best day, I don't match up to the perfection of God. None of us do. Not one of us do. We need his grace. We need his mercy. And that's why when you, read this, when you read these scriptures, you've got to finish with, for God so loved. You've got to finish with, for God so loved. You've got to finish with, by grace you are saved through faith, not of works, lest any man should boast. You've got to go to the place of, God loves us before we loved him. And he has a wonderful plan for everybody's life. Does he want you to stay in bondage if you're in any bondage to any of these things that have been mentioned today? Does he want you to stay there? Of course not. He wants you to live a free life. And everything God ever did, every commandment he ever gave, every word he ever wrote was for our good and for his glory. It wasn't so we, could, uh, we would be an unhappy person because he said, I've come that you might have life and have it what? Abundantly. Abundantly. I talked to, I'll close with this. I talked to. Uh, Pastor Art Remington, he was here this week with Promise Keepers. You know, it, it's so cool when you, when you meet another believer and you just start talking. You know what I'm talking about? And all of a sudden you say, I've known this guy all my life. And he's known me. We just started talking about people we knew and he's a friend of Bishop Garlington's. And I said, well, we've had Bishop Garlington here and he's an awesome guy. And we started talking about the state of the, the condition of the world today and, and the, the grief that's it, what's going on in our culture and all the things that are going wrong. And he, he shared with me, he said, you know, John Bevere's a friend of mine. I said, really? <laughs> cool. And he said, John Bevere told me he had, when, when Jim Baker, I don't know if any of you remember Jim Baker, but he and his wife, Tammy Faye, y'all remember Tammy Faye? And uh, they had a, that was her eyelashes. Uh, they had a, they had a TV program, a, a gospel program, then they opened a theme park hotel and millions and millions of dollars that they built people out of. He was caught embezzling and a lot of other things, and he went to prison for it. Here's this man of God started out with the right intent, ended up getting sucked in by money and fame and fortune and all that. So he goes to prison. John Bevere says, can I go visit with him? And Jim Baker said, yeah, you can come see me. I'd love to see you. In, one, in the conversation, John Bevere said, Jim, when did you stop loving Jesus. Jim, when did you stop loving Jesus? It got you in all this mess. When did you stop loving him? Now listen to me, church. You need to hear this. Jim Baker said, John, I never stopped loving Jesus. But I stopped fearing God. I've always loved Jesus, but I quit fearing God. See, I think that's the state of the church today. We've, we've stopped fearing God and and I know people say, well, I'm not afraid of God. He loves me and all that. I'm, not ta I'm talking about the awesome, reverent fear of God. 
but it all, the Bible also says that the one who made you can also take you out. So there's another element of fear there. I mean, I love, my daddy loved me, but I feared him when he got the belt. But it, even when he spanked me, I knew he loved me. But I knew I, I, there's certain things I shouldn't do. And when I did them, I knew what to expect because I, I did fear him. But in a healthy way, you can fear God, but he's been a healthy way. But listen, we, we, we've come to this place of, of I can do what I want to when I want to do it, and God's going to forgive me. Listen, you're tempting God. You're testing God. You, sh- you, couldn't, you shouldn't do that. You say, God, listen, I want to walk through straight and narrow. I'm not talking about legalism, church. I'm talking about loving God so much that you want to please him with every part of your life, every fiber of your being. Because he died for you. He saved you. He's preparing a mansion for you. So that's what he's called us to. That's what he's done for us. Wow. Romans 6, 20. I'm going to finish with this. I lied a while ago. I said, finish with that. I didn't lie. I didn't, no, I didn't lie. I just made a mistake. God is a God. Of, he's a just God. Whatever you sow, you're going to reap. The Bible says that. But in Romans 6, the same, same book of Romans that tells you all the things that are going to happen, all the ugliness that's going to happen. Romans 6 says, For when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. In other words, you just didn't care. When you were slaves of sin, you're just a sinner. What fruit did you have then in the things of which you were now ashamed? It was bad fruit, okay. From the end of those things is death. And that's bad fruit, death. But now... Here we are, church. But now having been set free from sin, say I'm free. I'm free. And having become slaves of God, you, you have your fruit to holiness and the end everlasting life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. I am not going to leave you hanging this morning thinking, oh man, everything, the world's going to hell in a handbasket. We'll have no chance. No, we are born for such a time as this. We are called to go out and love the world. We are called to go out and share the truth. The truth. The whole truth. Nothing but the truth. Not watered down. The truth. And stand on your convictions of the truth, but do it in love. Don't do it as you're all high and mighty and you're better than anybody because you're not. None of us are. The world needs to see us take the word out with truth and humility when we go out into the world. The world needs to see us coming out and washing some people's feet and buying some people a meal and then telling them about the love of Jesus and not hammering them with their sin because God didn't tell us to do that. He said, I'll take care of that. I'll take care of that. I'm so glad I'm not the judge. I'm so glad I'm not the one that has to say, yes, you're in and you're out. I'm so glad that's God's job. But sometimes we think it's our job and it's not our job. Our job is to speak the truth in love, to tell them about the grace of God. Listen, will they reject you? Yeah, they'll reject you. Will some hate you? Yes, some will hate you. The Bible says that. But what do we do? We keep standing on the word. We stand on the promises. Now you can just stand to your feet. Can we have our ministry team up here?